All right, welcome to the first edition of a podcast to be named later. I'm Brant Wilkerson, New Green Thread News and Record. With me, Ethan Joyce, Connor O'Neill of the Winston-Salem Journal. They cover Appalachian State and Wake Forest, respectively. How's it going today, guys? Great. Thanks, great. <laughs> going so well. Everything is great. Yeah, it's, it's, it's been a little bit more of a quiet week after some of the stuff that went down last week uh, with North Carolina and NCAA. Um, it's uh, Wake Basketball Media Day yesterday, and... Ethan, you are fresh off a trip to Kitty Dome. What, uh, wh- how was the pilgrimage for you? Yeah, it was pretty cool. It was really my first trip across a few time zones. So, you know, as I'm going through almost a six-hour flight, I kept looking at my phone, and for like three hours in, it was 11 o'clock in the morning. Uh, so that was a little, uh, little disorienting, but it was, it was beautiful over there. Just as a guy that's never been on the Pacific Coast, a guy that's never really seen canyons or anything before just you know it's it's nothing to people that live out there but it was uh it was just wild to see that part of the country i really enjoyed myself that aside i mean how was the experience in in the dome itself it's such a strange little i know like during my year of covering app that was the uh that was the one stadium that i was really looking forward to doing you know it's funny i actually had a phone call with a buddy the other day and he like i was telling him about the dome and he he was like, I know that dome, I know it like by heart because when I played NCAA football 2006, I would always play games there no matter whose game it was because I just thought the place was so ridiculous looking on there. Um, it it was a really cool place. Like it has a it had a very I don't know it had a very basketball court feel, mm-hmm. you know, especially like maybe the high kind of like a high school basketball court where there's just seats on you know. Both both sides and then the ends, there's just nothing really. Um, just a really cool place to play, and they put some money into it, evidently, just talking with some of the people that they work there. And, you know, they've really just tried to spruce the place up because it's, it's, it's getting a little older now, but they're uh, it's going strong. Man, let's pour some out for NCAA football games. <laughs> Yeah, let's uh, let's pour some some out for all the time that I have, have saved in my life of uh, not having that game for the past few years. Now it's I mean it's just ridiculous the amount of time that I spent leading Idaho and God knows who else to national titles. But I do I know if if it came back I would be the first person in line to buy it and a, a brand new uh, PlayStation Four out there. So um, Connor, you had your uh, your first bye week of the uh, of your tenure on the Wake Beat. How'd you spend it? Uh, I spent it watching more ACC football in person. I uh, went to the Virginia-Carolina game um, at the girlfriend's bequest. You must uh, love her. Yeah, uh, <laughs> you you can say that because, man, there's not much to watch there. Uh, I had a lot of fun watching Quinn Blanding for half the game, so... <laughs> I can tell you that there is at least one player on the field who is worth watching. And I guess when Carolina's defense was on the field, MJ Stewart's a nice person to kind of spotlight and just watch him and wherever he goes and what he does. But, yeah, that was Saturday, and then Sunday went to the state fair for the first time. So, Oh, you yeah. did? I, I was out there on Saturday for my first time in maybe 10 years. What, what was the highlight of that one for you? And, uh the food, the, the so many different kinds of food. Uh, you know, the fried Oreos are the staple. Also had fried cookie dough, fried Reese's 
cups wrapped in peanut butter, or uh, not peanut butter, bacon. My my second favorite food behind peanut butter. So. Solid choice. I uh, I got myself into the uh, I got into the fried Oreos and the fried uh, Reese's cups, but the Thanksgiving egg roll was pretty solid too. So that was uh, that was real. The real Ooh. highlight. We were, we did one ride, and one of my friends puked immediately afterwards. So uh, we were we were banned from the rides for the rest of the day. <laughs> oh man, which ride? Um, I forget exactly which one it was. It was like one of those like you know the whirly things where. It kind of lifts a little bit up, and you get a little bit parallel to the ground while it's twirling. Also, and okay. I, I think we reached a consensus after that that none of us were quite prepared to what was going on. So, um, we we then just spent the rest of our time uh, wasting money on shooting basketball on those rigged rims. Um, I had three shots go in and out, and that was that was pretty much the pretty much the extent of my day at the fair. Yeah, yeah. Uh, I- girlfriend asked me if I wanted to play any of the games, and she thought I might be good for basketball games because I played high school basketball. I was like, well, I'm good at shooting in an actual rim when I've picked up a basketball in the last six months, and when the rim isn't crooked. <laughs> yeah, I, I, all three of them, I felt really good about when they left my hand, and three times it went like halfway down and shot out. And, and <laughs> I, I did not see one person in the I – I think I did it three different times. I did not see one person make a shot the entire time I was standing there. So that's what we need to get the FBI in on. All right. Well, and how long is the State Fair open? Another – it's through this weekend, I think? Yeah, it's through this weekend. So I, I actually I, – I went by uh, NC State for the media availability on Wednesday. I was thinking about heading over there for a corn dog. but decided uh, I didn't want to pay the entry fee on top of the corn dog fee. <laughs> <laughs> well, well I'm, I'm thinking – gosh. We need a Brett Strelow commission story on on rooms at the state fair. <laughs> yeah, that's uh, that's what Adam Adam Houston, your boss, uh, he was there with with us, and we were like, man, we got to get with Strelow and figure out exactly what the uh, the elasticity of these rims is. I think that'd be a great story. So yeah, I, I'm all in on that. I gotta say, the most addictive game at fair for me, I went to the Dixie Classic Fair uh, when it was open with with uh, some family, and it's that. It's that game with the bowling ball where you have to push it over the hill, but it has to like, stay. You can't push it too hard for it to come back. Like you have to get it to find, like fall in that sweet spot, and it's like twenty-five cents a push, and you end up spending so much money just because you're like, I'm almost there, I almost got it. I have not seen this game, but I, I, it sounds like something that I would be interested in. Um, I am all for spending money on just ridiculous, ridiculous games that you really have no chance of winning. I was. <laughs> As a kid, I got really into the uh, the dunking booth with the clown because the clown kept calling me short and making fun of my hair, which hasn't really changed since then. But um, I, I don't know how much money I spent on that. Man, that bowling ball game, I did that twice. And the second time, I got it to go over the first hill, and I was like, oh, cool, I won. And then it it barely had enough momentum to get back over it, and I was just like, okay, I'm, I'm done with this. I'm not going to sit here burn through 550 and quarters to prove to myself I can beat this thing. Well, speaking of games that are rigged, uh, you <laughs> talked with uh, Wake Forest, uh, Danny Manning, about uh, the FBI investigation into college basketball and how uh, I guess some programs have tried to uh, to beat the system with a little bit of uh, cash under the table. What was your takeaway from uh, what, what Coach Manning had to say about that? Yeah, um, I think Coach Manning is is like a lot of the rest of us. Um, 
he knows that there's a lot more to this investigation than Louisville paying a few players and um, the, the, four assistant, the four assistant coaches as of now. Um, what is it? Half a dozen schools implicated. I mean, this this goes far and beyond, and, and Danny knows that. But the problem is he can't say it. He, he can't say specifically why he knows it. And I think that's what we're we're all waiting on. And he made the point. Uh, it's always good for us. He said that he picks up the paper and reads headlines just like the rest of us and reads the stories. So. It's good to know people still pick up the paper, always. <laughs> um, you know, uh, I thought the most the most telling thing he said was that asked if, if he shares kind of the cynical view that this is only the tip of the iceberg and that it is as rampant as some people think. And he, and he just kind of said, um, yeah, I do. And that, that, he, yeah, I, I mean, you know, you know the the saying in football is you're never as bad as you think you are, and you're never as good as you think you are. But here we might have a situation where it it might be as bad as we think it is, and it might be as rampant. Uh, yeah, I would. Um, I mean, not, nothing specifically, and you know, just throwing out wild allegations. <laughs> I absolutely think it is, and and that's just from, you know, I was down at Peach Jam for uh, a little bit this summer, the big Nike EYBL thing um, this summer, and it it has this feeling of, you know, there's just, you you can see a number of unsavory characters there working behind the scenes, and I think back to the first time that I ever went to, like, a youth showcase event, which was um, back in the day of Dave Tellup's Carolina Challenge um, here in North Carolina, which was for the top underclass in the state. I saw someone who I know was an agent at that, which was an event for underclassmen in the middle of uh, March, which is crazy. So it's just kind of crazy where we've gotten. You know, Roy Williams took a different kind of view on that. And you know what? Maybe I'm inclined to maybe believe Roy Williams on the fact that he doesn't really – he seemed to think that this stuff was crazy and he was surprised by it and he didn't really know what was going on. And You know, based on the way Carolina has seemingly – you know, I think they've – they've gotten involved with a lot of kids early who are, you know, those five-star one-and-done types, and then it seems like they kind of fade away as the recruitments go on. So, I, I, you know, I really wouldn't be shocked if Roy Williams didn't know that because I don't think he, he's been dealing in that world, and, and Carolina has been kind of shying away from from people who might be uh, worth uh, worth getting those bids in on. Yeah, um, and that's, you know, uh, relevant to last week's, Friday ruling, um, you wonder if Roy starts getting some of those players back. Because, um, I mean, when Roy first got there, what was what was it that he said? He, he had like 10 five-star recruits or 10 McDonald's All-Americans in his first few years there and has had one since. You remember? I can't remember what that exactly Yeah, was. I think it was something like 24 McDonald's All-Americans over his first uh, 10 seasons there and then one in the past four seasons. Yeah. But, hey, it's it's worked out for him, all right? Somebody yeah. uh, somebody, uh, somebody asked him a, a really good question that I, I was actually kind of curious about was, you know, do you think things would have worked out for you the, the past few seasons 
had you gotten those five-star guys? And he said, well, I guess we've been all right. <laughs> yeah. Um, but, yeah, no, I think that was one of the things that I wrote about and several other people uh, wrote about last year um, during Carolina's title run is it <laughs> they had almost uh, done a money ball version of, of college basketball where they had found an inefficiency in the market where they were still getting these guys that were really good, you know, maybe a four-star recruit or a three-star recruit that has the potential to play pro basketball, but they're not going to be able to go pro until, you know, three, four years. So you're building that continuity in your program rather than having to worry about this guy coming in and leaving uh, immediately, and then you got to scramble to find something in the spring. And, you know, Tony Bradley was kind of the, the one shocker that they've had recently of guys that have left early. Yeah, yeah, he's he's certainly the, the outlier. Um if you want to go JP Togato, but he did spend three years there. He put his time in. Yeah, I'm I'm curious as to just how much and you know, Roy keeps on saying that um you know, I, I would love to recruit these five star guys. He specifically said, I think I've recruited most of these guys that Duke and Kentucky have now, but they just got them. So I'm curious to see is uh you know, whether they try to stick around in that that range where they're getting guys that are in the top hundred but not necessarily uh future number one draft picks. So that'll that'll certainly be something to watch over the next two seasons and, and who they're bringing in there. It it seems like it's on the uptick already. Yeah. Um I don't I know the biggest name that I've seen them link to is Zion Williamson. Are they still in his top 10 or top five or anything like that? I think they have faded a little bit out of that recruitment because, um, of course, I mean, I don't think you, – you never can tell, but he's an Adidas guy. So there yeah. is already a, a jump there, but that doesn't mean he's only looking at Adidas programs. And you know, He's got the Kentucky, Kansas, Duke, UCLA kind of thing going on. So um, UCLA is no longer Adidas, um, but he's going to be taking visits here shortly. He'll actually be at Duke uh, – Friday night for uh, Countdown to Craziness when uh, we get this thing kicked off for the year. So he's he's taking a visit, or he's already taken his Kentucky and Kansas visit uh, Duke this week and then UCLA next week. So, um, yeah, college basketball recruiting nerdery on the podcast. <laughs> um, so, I mean, yeah, so Ethan, uh, you know, it's, it's becoming college basketball season uh, down this way a little bit, but App State football is very much still rolling uh, up your way. So what what was your takeaway from that crazy, crazy game up in Idaho where um, it was 17 nothing at halftime, and I was like, man, I, I don't think they got it today and, and just kind of didn't pay attention until the end. I think they just keep proving they can do it. Like, they, they are one of the best teams in the conference. It's just, you know, how how long until you build a hole or you dig a hole that's too deep? Um I think one of the things that's really stood out to me in the three games that I've watched the Vats this season is that no matter how the offense is playing, the defense has been very good. Yeah. Uh, you know, they've given up touchdowns. They've kind of had games where maybe they've given up a good chunk of yards. But, like, if you're on the field as much as they've been, you're going to give up points eventually, and the yards are going to accumulate eventually. They've been very solid all year. Um, I, I think against New Mexico State, the game plan was staying stubborn and, you know, going with the run as much as possible to really try to get that going again. With Idaho, for a while there, it seemed like everything was a lot of short work. And that's not to say that 
app didn't have people trying to go deep, but a lot of things became short runs, short passes. Um, and, like, there was really no oscillation to the offense to keep Idaho off track. Like, they were blitzing really heavy, and App's offensive line is still trying to gather itself. Um, so, you know, it's like you said, for a while it looked really rough. And then, of course, they come out at halftime and, you know, they throw a pick in their first offensive possession, the defense stop, and, like, you kind of start feeling momentum, which, like, uh, I hate saying you start feeling momentum switch. But, like, it really was a big changing point in that game. And, you know, App just went on to just start scoring and start shutting Idaho down. Well, I'm a big believer in momentum. I don't know if you guys are. Um, I think it's, it's very definitely a thing. But, um, yeah, I mean, you just look at the, the little game chart, which doesn't mean a whole lot. But at that point, early in the third quarter, App had, or Idaho had a 93% chance of victory based on the math. But the math don't play the football. So how, how did how did uh, Taylor Lamb bring them back? Did they just finally start getting deep and Ike Lewis break it open a little bit? Or what, what happened for them? Um. I know with Ike, especially in the second touchdown they threw, um, it was just about the matchup that he got. You know, the they put him in the slot, and for a while they they had – Idaho either had a safety or, a, or a, another corner kind of there on him. But for that specific play, a linebacker moved out on him. And, I mean, like Ike, Ike versus a linebacker speed-wise is going to be a victory every time. And, like, Taylor Lamb, like he said, you know, when – when they got up and, and saw that that's who was going to be on IQ, he was like, that's the look that I love to see. Um, you know, so I think it, was, it wasn't it was as much like they were trying to do some deep stuff in the, in the game, but the throws weren't trying to go deep. And I think that, like, they were really able to diversify it a little bit more. Um, and, yeah, Taylor just looked great. And I think, you know, he continues to prove that he's a good quarterback. And, you know, silence the silly people that – think for some reason maybe not <laughs> yeah that 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 continues to be a, a thing week to week i saw some of that on saturday on twitter about um you know that he, he needed to be replaced out there in the first half and then he comes back and leads them to another victory but not huge numbers 19 for 26 for 155 which isn't great um i think the the most concerning thing that you take away from this though is um 121 rushing yards which is just 3.2 a carry um what what is what's kind of the main issue? What what's going wrong in the running game for App right now? I think it's just an offensive line thing. Um, just guys that are still kind of getting comfortable in their starting spot. You know, you have a freshman, a true freshman center, um, who's playing well, and you have two guys that are rotating at left guard. Um, and I think it's just trying to find some continuity between that line. Uh, you know, I think they're realizing that, you know, they already knew Parker Collins was going to be tough to replace. I think Jamie Colmar is proving to be tougher to replace than you realize he was going to be. Um, you know, with the running game, they just found out that Terrence Upshaw is going to be out for the rest of the season as well with a torn tricep. Um, and so it's going to be interesting to see what they do because, you know, the run game hasn't been performing that well at all. Now you're losing your number two guy who had the most touchdowns out of the backfield. Um, so, like, now they really are going to have to try to find out how to make this work. It's going to be a lot harder now. Who do they go to in his absence? I know Darrington Evans is still dealing with 
I, I don't even think I really knew what Durrington Evans' uh, injury is. I just know he's not playing. And, well, he's not really a running back, but he had been a running back. So what, what's up with him? Just sitting on the sideline at practice. Like, I've never seen him out of a green jersey. And, you know, the last time we talked to uh, Satterfield about it, he said, you know, there's no update at this time. So he just – he's out for right now. Um, I think the – at practice yesterday, Marcus Williams was getting a good amount of reps, which uh, Marcus Williams is a kid that was from my previous coverage area at the Rocky Mount Telegram. I didn't cover him, um, but I know he's a very talented running back. It's just he's never really gotten the gotten the burn, so he's probably going to get it. We'll see how he does. And he's going to he, he might be uh, he might be the Jalen Moore of two years ago, the kind of step in late in the season when he when injuries forced him into the lineup and. He just decided to go for 240 in his first game out there. That's tough. Uh, be a new Not a bad start. And have the more comparison popping up. <laughs> so, um, Connor, the Deacons returned to action this week. You know, it had been a little bit of a, uh, you know, the, the hot start had been slowed a little bit. But how are the Deacons feeling uh, heading back into action this week against Georgia Tech? They're feeling healthier to start with. Um they had been bruised up a bit uh, beyond the the one game that John Walford missed against Clemson and the two games that Kate Carney missed being the last two. Um, they just you, I talked to a couple linemen yesterday, and they were both thrilled to have the bye week. Um, and and they're st- they're feeling good. They they still you know an ACC championship is obviously not in the cards really um they would have to win out and have some other things happen and fall their way to do that but they they feel like a lot of things are still in front of them for this season um it's kind of crazy to look at their remaining games now you look at it and say they could win every game left on the schedule they could lose every game left on the schedule uh, every team, all six of them have winning records at this point. Um, that is made possible by Syracuse's upset last week. And, um, you know, they, this is a Georgia Tech team that is really good and probably really mad about losing by one to Miami in a game that they should have won. So it'll be an interesting game Saturday. and. Yeah, Georgia Tech, two two losses by a total of two points to Tennessee and Miami. So, um, you know, Wake's defense has been really good, but are they particularly equipped to deal with the way that Georgia Tech is going to be able to run the football and the necessary discipline to to just stick with it all game? I think their defensive line is – I think their defensive line is deep enough to handle the wear and tear of – the triple option, the linebackers, I think, is where it becomes the key. Um, and your your rover back and your safeties. I mean, weight safeties are that's that's one of the best tandems in the league. Mm-hmm. Um, so there's there's no concern for Cam Glenn and Jesse Bates, but with Grant Dawson and Jabari Williams, the linebackers, it'll be really interesting to see how they're able to fill the gaps, how they're able to play the pitch and play the dive. Um, 
the B back for Georgia Tech, Kervante Benson, has been outstanding this season. Um, he's a guy that that Dave Clawson was raving about and pointing out that you know sometimes you can leave a middle linebacker unblocked and he'll just run over the middle linebacker. So that's a problem. <laughs> so, the, the, so is this week, is it, um, you know, you don't want to say that Wake Forest is ever looking ahead after a two-week losing losing two straight, but that's big Louisville game. It, it's looming. And just what what's kind of the emotion around Louisville right now have you picked up on anything? Or are they keeping it pretty close to the vest on that? Uh, I've picked up on some things. There's there's going to be some emotions there. Uh, I don't know how much of it will come from the players compared to how much of it comes from uh, the coaching staff, the Wake Forest staffers, the Wake Forest athletic department. Um, there is no love lost there. and. <laughs> I think they'll tell you that if they're being honest, and I think they'll admit it even if they don't want to be that honest. Um, so, yeah, I'm not sure the, you know, I think it'd probably be a case a player by player thing. You might ask one player about it. You know, a John Walford might tell you that. Yeah, they're they're extremely fired up to play Louisville they four plays. Yeah. Um, or 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 had their playbook last year. It was given to them obviously. But you you know, you might go to a Cam Serenay and, and he might tell you um you know, that was out of our control. We didn't have anything to do with it. And we don't care if Louisville had our plays or if anybody else had our plays. So it's it's a tricky situation trying to forecast whether a team is looking ahead or not. Um, every time you broach the subject of looking ahead or looking behind the <laughs> Wake Forest player, they tell you the same thing that it's it's a one week season and they're focused on that week's game and that's where all of their focus is. I believe that to an extent. I think that you know, you, you certainly, it's human nature, I think, as as Coach K would say, to, to look ahead at some point. Yeah, absolutely. Um, I think that um, it is human nature to look ahead, and you're, you're going to be looking ahead. You're going to be looking back at various times. But I think that really has been the difference, uh, you know, that you see this year, especially with this NC State team. Uh, talk about Wake's not in it for an ACC championship anymore, really. But – uh, NC State is certainly in it and controls its own destiny. Um, but they've every week, uh, I think it, it's been interesting to hear. Um, <clears throat> and I don't know if this is something crazy or just a weird thing that I've kind of picked up on my few years of doing this, is the better teams that you cover, the more that when you speak to them after the game, the players use the same catchphrases and they use the same language and they talk about things. Have you guys ever picked up on something like that? Oh yeah, absolutely. Um, App got hung up on bend but not break when they talked about the Texas State win, where they, you know, essentially stopped Texas State on the one yard line. Like bend but not bend don't break came up 
probably for like the since that game happened. My entire coverage of Appalachian State, I've heard Ben don't break. <laughs> yeah, it's uh, at NC State every game. I think uh, I know Bradley Chubb's one of the guys that mentions it every week, but. Um, it's they talk about being one and zero that week. Just just finish one and zero in that particular week has been kind of their retort every week. And you know, looking at, at the NC State of the past, <laughs> finishing one and zero that week was I don't think that had been a thing. And you saw that last year and what they did with letting that Clemson loss kind of beat them for several weeks down the road. And now this year they're uh, they're suddenly uh, you know they're focused week to week and. They're off this week, and we, we go in with uh, the possibility of an NC State ACC championship midway through the season. Um, what's I know around here people are really you, – you can feel the kind of the, um, the emotion and you, you feel the, the hype growing. Is there a whole lot of hype about NC State elsewhere? Uh, honestly, not much around. I mean, would you disagree with not much around here, Ethan? I can't. I can't say the last time I saw like an NC State sticker or just like bumper plate border or anything. Jeez. Huh. Interesting. Yeah, I, I think the. I haven't even moved to Forsyth County yet, but what I've been told is, if you're not a Wake fan around here, you're an App fan or a Carolina fan. I'm not sure how many Wolfpackers are on this side of the state. I'm not saying there's, I'm sure there are some, but um, yeah, I think it, the, the focus is still on Wake football and app football, so those are your teams, and if they're not your teams, you're looking forward to basketball season. Yeah, I, I certainly noticed um, the, the kind of, it, it does seem like there, you would say that when Winston-Salem is a Carolina town, if it's not Wake or, or app out there, but I mean, I think that it's possible that here in two weeks we might be coming up on one of the most hyped football games in the history of the college football games in the history of the state, at least in recent memory. Uh, when when Clemson comes to Raleigh, it might have it might have lost some of its luster with the loss to Syracuse. But I mean, um, I mean, I, I can't imagine. I think you know back to maybe the Carolina Florida State game in '97 when uh, Carolina was ranked in the top five, but. I mean, I, this is going to be this is going to be massive. Yeah, I, I don't know if it's if it's going to be a game day candidate or what, but just kind of incredible to think about that, especially with uh, NC State losing its opener to South Carolina, and you think, oh, here we go again, and you know it's going to be another one of those seasons. It's going to be a lost season, and Clemson's just going to run through the competition. So, pretty interesting stuff coming up here in a few weeks. So you're telling me Cole Kubelik does know what he's talking about now because he went from not knowing to really not knowing to <laughs> now knowing. I think he uh he posted he posted a gif or something on on uh Twitter the other night when Clemson lost so um it was yeah I I, I don't think Clemson's out of this by any means. I think Clemson and we saw this last year with Clemson when they lost to Pittsburgh is if you have a well timed loss in the college football playoff era it's not necessarily a bad thing. I mean, you, you don't want to do it in November. You want to do it kind of right here, mid-October at the latest. And um, I, I did, did that game on Friday change your opinion of Clemson at all? Not really. I, just just like I think that Florida State is re- a really talented team, other than on their offensive line, and I think they would probably still. 
I don't know if I can say this with a absolute certainty, but I think they might be a one-loss team if DeAndre Francois was healthy. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, I think that quarterback position is just so valuable, and, and Kelly Bryant played what five games. Yeah, and and it, uh, Ethan and I were talking before we got going here. Uh, the question had gone from can Kelly Bryant at least fill in somewhat for Deshaun Watson, and now the question is can Clemson win without Kelly Bryant and that position is just so important that I, I think if if he comes back healthy, I, I think Clemson's right there in it still. Yeah, I think um, yeah, it, it's, it's I'm really not going <clears> to <throat> drop them too far for that loss. Although I am looking forward to that, and I am looking forward to uh, it. Does seem that I'm going to be making the trip up to Notre Dame uh, next week. I know that's uh, that's something you're planning to do too this year. Yeah, yeah. So uh, reserve reserve me a seat or leave me a leave me a little note under a seat, maybe. But yeah, Wake will Wake will head up there. It's it's funny to look at Notre Dame's schedule. You don't see a, a college football team with three straight home games between October and November often. But I guess when when you're only a 42% member of the ACC, you can create your schedule to look like that sometimes. So, uh, yeah, they're, they're home against USC this week, then home against the Wolfpack next week, and home against State the following week, or Wake the following week. So. Yeah, and then they'll get Navy there at the end. Um, yeah, it's going to be a really cool trip. Um, you know, just one of those nerd moments in your your grand sports writing career, one of those things that you're going to remember. Uh, it, it probably won't be up there with the Kibbe Dome, but it'll be pretty sweet to see Touchdown Jesus. <laughs> I think you've never been up there? No, I haven't. Have, have you gotten a chance to go up there yet? No, I've never been up there. So, yeah, we'll, we'll knock one off each of our bucket lists about a week apart. Yeah, it's, it's, uh, I'm looking forward to, uh, to just kind of taking in the whole Saturday atmosphere. And um, I know I remember the first time I ever went to a game outside of the ACC was a South Carolina game right after old ball coach got there. And then everybody's like, yeah, that's kind of kind of an SEC atmosphere. And I've since been down to Alabama a couple times, uh, once for an out-of-conference game and then once last year for when they played Texas A&M. And, um, it's like a whole different world. <laughs> it's uh, I mean, what what comes to you? I mean, do you guys have any particular football experiences that stand out like that? Just you know, when when you kind of realize that hey, ACC football is okay, but it, it doesn't compare really to some of this stuff. I don't want to seem like I'm pandering to a fan base or anything like that, but. App State for me is a great environment, and and going up there, cozied into the mountains at Kid Brewer. Uh, I've been there twice as a fan, and now once to cover a game. And every time, it's it's been a fantastic experience. That's the first one that comes to mind for me. <laughs> Pandering. <laughs> no, I'm I'm looking forward to uh I you know I, I covered games up there, but. I am hopefully, um, should the scheduling work out and should nobody drop any crazy news on a Thursday, I'm trying to get up there for 
their home Thursday night game against Georgia Southern just to take it all in. It probably won't be, you know, the most well-attended game of the year because it's a Thursday night, but um, I think it'd be cool to get up there and finally experience that. It'll probably be freezing. It's early November, so. Um, yeah, I'm definitely looking forward to getting there, to experience game day up there without wearing a tie and walking around in uncomfortable shoes all day. <laughs> <laughs> what about for you, Ethan? Anywhere that you've been other than the Kibbe that stands out? <laughs> you know, I don't know. I'm trying to think. Like, I haven't covered college football long enough to, or like at a, at a grand enough scale to travel somewhere to be like, whoa, man, this is a great, this is a crazy experience. But I will say, um, to shift back to basketball a little bit, when I covered a game at uh, Cameron Indoor for the first time. That was pretty crazy. And, like, that's – I mean, that's kind of like – that could be kind of a cliche answer. Um, but, that's a, like, you know, you were talking about touchdown Jesus, and, you know, just walking into Cameron, sitting in there. And, like, I was I was watching them play against – I think it was Maris was this season over. And, like, the place was just crazy. And uh, that was just, like, something I was talking to my dad. Uh, the, the moment I walked in there, and I was like, this is one of the coolest looking places I've ever seen in my life. And I'm, like – I don't know if I'm going to see a cool, a, a, a cool of a place as this. And like really trying to take in that moment of doing it first time. Yeah, I will say that, you know, I'm covering – I've been to Cameron, been to Smith Center, been to plenty of state games as a kid. Um, and you get to – you kind of get to see it. And But I had not been to a Duke Carolina game until this year. When I got there a couple hours early. And it's, like, exhausting, like, emotionally to be in that place for that long like, I have no idea how those kids just kept after it. And it's like every single play is the end of the end of the world. And then, my, my like, the thing that I wrote about after that is, how do you go play Clemson on Saturday at noon after this? I have no idea how they did that. <laughs> it's uh, it's just a, a crazy, you know, you you hear how loud it is, but you really can't. You don't know what it means until you're there having people breathe on you and having blue paint fall on you for the whole game and kids losing their minds behind you. So, yeah, we do have it made in in that sense. And um, I will say Clemson. Clemson definitely stands out among the ACC schools as, um, as far as the experience goes. So, um, All right. I, I did make it up to uh, to App for this week, this past weekend on my, my off week. Um, Got dinner at the Daniel Boone Inn. You guys have a, a lunch or dinner review for uh, for this week? Lunch or dinner review? Um, I'm trying to think of some of the places that I went to in Idaho. Did you get uh, to go to CD Smoke Pit? No, I didn't. I, I, I you ate. <laughs> you blew it. <laughs> so the first night, like after all that flying and stuff, I was so tired. I called in to this place called the Tomato Bros. Um which was pretty good. Um, you know, it was, so it was called Tomato Bros. That hints at being good at pizza. I got steak. I was pretty content with the steak. I should have gotten pizza. Um, Brett Cirillo gave me a good recommendation for a pizza place that I'm blanking on right now. Um, but I actually got like half half of a large pepperoni pizza and the other half was like a Reuben. So it had like some sausage. It had sauerkraut and a little bit of other stuff and some uh, like a mustard sauce. It was awesome. I have been to Tomato Bros. That's where we went to dinner last uh, year before the game, or a few years ago before the game. I can attest to that being a solid choice. I just wish I had gotten pizza. That was a, that's a massive failure when you go to a place called Tomato Bros and you don't get something. <laughs> but whatever. <laughs> what, uh, what about you, Connor? You got anything uh, for us here or there anywhere? So yesterday I had 
lunch from small batch or burger batch. One of one of these places, like they're right next to each other and connected, but they call themselves different names down here in downtown Winston Salem. The burger oh. was the burger was decent. Uh, I got a milkshake to go. This is the best milkshake I've ever had in my life. Really? <laughs> yeah. Uh, it oh, was... so there is a burger batch now. Cool. Yeah. I got, when I was living there, it was just uh, the small batch was kind of a standalone thing. But okay, burger batch is now a thing that exists. Yeah. Yeah. So it was a little pricey. Uh, the the nine dollar charge for a milkshake you're not really expecting. When you get a <laughs> When you get a piece of cake to go with it, it's kind of like, ah, boy. Eh, okay. <laughs> I'm looking at uh, a couple pictures of these milkshakes right now on their Facebook page. Holy crap. Yeah. There's an entire Krispy Kreme donut on top of one of these things. Yeah. Like, I, I got some strawberry-based one, and I got strawberry shortcake or pound cake or something that – yeah, I got it to go, so they gave me a piece of cake in a little to-go tray and told me that, you know, we're going to make this a little easier for you to carry down the street and bring it back <laughs> to the office to eat. Like, ah, thank you. I did not realize what I was getting myself into. <laughs> Milkshake order. So there you have it, folks. Uh, we've got the for this week's food recommendations. We've got... Uh, the Daniel Boone Inn in Boone, the old standby where you get family-style home cooking until you uh, have to wheel yourself out of there. Tomato Bros in Clarkston, Lewiston, Idaho, and Burger Batch Winston-Salem. So pretty solid, uh, pretty solid there if you're on the Sunday schedule. Well, that, uh, that will do it for this week. I think we've covered uh, a little bit of everything from State Fair to college football and basketball. Um, first episode, we're going to be doing this weekly. Um, we'll, uh, we'll take your questions on Twitter anytime tweeted any of us, but uh, we're going to be looking to get these posted every Thursday, Friday, every weekend. Um, yeah, we'll, uh, we'll be on all year. So for Connor and Ethan, I'm Brant Wilkerson-New. Thanks for listening.